Amen indeed. Thank you, Noah, for that beautiful song. Well, welcome to each one of you. We're so glad that you are here with us today, worshiping and praising the Lord. Two weeks ago, I shared with you some lessons from Paul and Silas taken from Acts chapter 16. And in that message, we looked at some different points and lessons. Number one, evil spirits are real and we need to beware of them. Number two, don't take advantage of someone else's misfortune or try to profit from a devastating situation. Point number three, remember that there is power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ. The fourth lesson we learned was be careful not to do or say something out of anger that you will later regret and suffer many long-term consequences for. And the fifth lesson that we looked at was when you are in a position of authority, make sure that you treat those under your authority fairly and equally. From that passage of scripture, we saw that Paul and Silas weren't treated fairly at all. They were wrongfully accused and then thrown into prison. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to part one of this message, then I encourage you to do that sometime this week. Would you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16 as we pick up the story from verse 25? Acts chapter 16, starting from verse 25. And those of you who are here, if you are able to stand, would you stand as we read God's word? Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here! The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all those who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he is, and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave, go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison. And we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. And then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed we thank you for this opportunity to gather together to worship and to study your word. Lord, we desire to hear from you, and so we pray that your Holy Spirit would move, would speak, and would have its way. And so we commit this time and this message into your hands, and we ask for you to speak and help us, Lord, challenge us to be obedient, to respond to your Holy Spirit's leading. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. In this passage of scripture today, we're going to look at some more lessons that we can learn from Paul and Silas. We see that they were stripped, they were beaten, and then they were put in jail. They were put in the inner cell of the jail, and they were put in stocks. Now, stocks were made of two boards joined with iron clasps leaving holes just big enough for the ankles. The prisoner's legs were placed across the lower beam, and we see that they were fastened, they were secure in there. The upper board was then closed over them. Sometimes both wrists and ankles were placed in stocks as well. Paul and Silas had committed no crime. They had done absolutely nothing wrong. They were peaceful men, yet they were put in stocks that were designated and ho for holding the most dangerous criminals. They were put in jail for doing absolutely nothing wrong, but yet they were treated as if they had committed the biggest crime possible. There was no need for them to be there. There was no need for them to be in that situation, yet that is where they found themselves locked up in prison and treated badly by the city authorities. They were treated unfairly. There was nothing good about their circumstance. There was nothing good about their situation. Yet, look at the attitude that they had. In verse 25, it tells us that they chose to pray and to sing hymns of praise to God. Despite the circumstance that they found themselves in, they chose to give God praise. You see, no matter what our situation or circumstance is, we can choose to praise God and stay devoted to him. That's the first lesson that we can learn today. That no matter what our situation or circumstance is, we can choose to praise God and we can choose to stay devoted to him regardless of how difficult, how weary, how desperate our situation is. We can hold on to God and look to him. Despite their dismal situation, they praised God. They prayed. They sang hymns of praise while the other prisoners listened. No matter what you're going through, no matter what is happening right now in your life or what will happen, you can choose to praise God. You can choose to stay devoted to him because our worship and our devotion to God should not be based on if our circumstance is right and our situation is good, but it should be based on the fact that we recognize and we understand that no matter what happens, God is still worthy to be praised. No matter what we go through, no matter what comes our way, God does not change. He is still the same, and he will remain the same, and he deserves all honor, all glory, and all praise. 
And I intentionally say it's important for us to choose to pray God, choose to praise God, choose to stay devoted to Him, because there are many times where we may not feel like praising God, right? When we're going through a difficult time, when we're experiencing a lot of difficulty and trials in our life, the last thing and the furthest thing from our mind may be worshiping God and praising Him, yet we need to choose to worship Him, to choose to make a conscious, intentional decision that no matter no matter what, I am going to stay devoted to him. Choose to praise him when you're weak and when you're tired. Choose to praise him when you're sick and when you're in pain. Choose to praise him when you're having family emergency. Choose to praise him when things are not going well at work. Choose to praise him when business is slow. Choose to praise him when finances always seem to be an issue. Choose to praise him when your kids or your grandkids are giving you a hard time. You can choose to praise God. Amen. Our situations and our circumstances change all the time, but one thing that remains that does not change is God, and he is worthy to be praised. With God, there is freedom even in a prison, and at midnight, there is still light. One author wrote, how beautiful that is, that with God, there is freedom even in a prison, and at midnight, there is still light. We can choose to praise him. So at midnight, that midnight hour, they prayed, they sang hymns of praise, they worshipped God, and while they were doing so, Scripture tells us just this little, little bit, but so important, that the other prisoners listened. That the other prisoners listened. You see, people listen and watch more than we may think. People listen and notice things more than we may realize. And that's why, here's another lesson for you. It's important for us to remember that others are always watching what we do and say, and we need to strive to live above reproach. Others are always watching and listening what we say. And our lives are a living testimony. We walk around as ambassadors of Christ. And how we live and what we say represents Jesus to other people. And it's important for us that if we call ourselves Christians, that we live up to that name. That if we say that we are a Christian, then we live Truly, as Christ followers, we cannot be effective witnesses if we say one thing and live another. We cannot be effective witnesses for God if we do not, if we do not live the way God has called us to live. Amen. Stop being so concerned about what others may be doing and saying and start being concerned with how you live, how you act, how you conduct yourself. Be mindful of how you talk to other people. Be mindful of the kind of language that you use in conversation. Be mindful of the kinds of things you say about other people. Be mindful of the kind of music you choose to listen to or movies or television shows you choose to watch. 
Be mindful of the kind of websites that may be found on your computer's history or the way that you respond to someone who upsets you. You see, people are always watching, and we want them to see Christ in us. We want to represent Christ in us. And what we do and say can either help our witness for Jesus or it can hurt it. And so it's important for us to be mindful of the things that we do and say. And hopefully because of our example, others will come to know and to believe in Christ. Amen. 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 The scripture tells us that in verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prisoner, prison was shaken to its foundation. Suddenly they were praying, they were worshiping, and there was this massive earthquake that happened. Now, there isn't anything out of the ordinary here for there to have been an earthquake because this was a district, according to research, that earthquakes were common. So it was by no means uncommon for an earthquake to have happened. Yet the door that was locked by a wooden bar, falling into two slots and stocks were also fastened, were all opened, mysteriously opened. So even though the earthquake may have happened and it was something that was common at that time in that location, the prisoners really in theory should have still been secure as they always had been and they wouldn't be able to get out. But on this specific occasion, the earthquake shook the bar free and it tells us that all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Wow. Well, some skeptics may say, well, of course it was the earthquake that caused, you know, everything to happen for them to be set free and whatnot. Now, the earthquake caused maybe the doors to open. Let's go as far as to say maybe the earthquake released the bar and the doors were open. But that doesn't explain how the chains on the prisoners were able to fall off and they were able to be set free. You see, the only proper logical explanation was because of the prayers that Paul and Silas were offering to God. Because of the faith that they had, it moved the hand of God to action and their chains fell off and they were set free. You see, when we pray, things happen. And it was no coincidence that this happened, but it was because of the power of prayer. And a lesson that we can learn is don't just pray, push. Don't just pray, push. Now, you may be wondering, what on earth are you talking about? What are we pushing here? Well, I'm going to tell you to push God. And here's what this push stands for. It stands for pray until something happens. Don't just pray, push. 
Sometimes we pray and we don't see anything happening in our life. We pray and we don't see any results. We don't see God answering our prayer. We don't see an answer coming. We don't see a breakthrough coming. But instead of just praying a simple prayer, I encourage you to push, to keep praying, to keep trusting, to keep having faith, to keep believing because your breakthrough is coming. Pray until something happens. Our prayers are powerful and they are effective. And even if you're not seeing anything happen, don't give up. Don't stop praying. Keep going. It's coming. Keep going. Paul and Silas prayed and they trusted God. They trusted him for their situation. And so when they didn't worry, they offered praise because they knew that God would answer. They knew that God would answer somehow. And not only did God open the prison doors, but he released each and every person from the chains that they were in bondage in. Every prisoner was set free. You see, our prayers can move the hand of God, not only for ourselves, but for others as well. Our prayers affect other people. And that's why it's so important for us not just to pray for ourselves or our family, but to pray for others, to pray for others even if we don't know them. I'm so thankful for Brother Ernie Hall and the many who gather faithfully Saturday by Saturday for prayer and fasting online, who not only pray for their own needs, but for others that they don't even know. We have a prayer sheet, and I encourage you to pray for many of those needs. You don't need to know them because God knows them. And we need to offer up prayer and faith, believing that God will move and that God will have its way. And so I encourage you, if you don't already join our Saturday morning prayer and fast, aim aim to meet and pray just even once a month come and join as we pray together prayer and fasting is a discipline that a christian should have it is one of the christian disciplines that we should be exercising and i encourage you to do that to join us and to pray our prayers no matter how big or small are effective but here's something i want to encourage you to do I want you not only to pray a small, meek prayer, but I want you to pray with power and with authority. Because God gives us power and authority. And our prayers, when we pray, they shouldn't just be these small little, well, I hope you answer my prayer, God. They should be a declaration of our faith in God. Because he has already given us victory. And we need to declare it in the name of Jesus. He has already told us that the battle is won. And our responsibility is to push, to pray until something happens happens. So what is it that you need to push God for? Maybe that's for your health situation or a family member's health situation. Maybe you need to push to resolve your marriage issues or things that are happening in your marriage that shouldn't be. Maybe you need to push for direction and guidance in your life or your future. Maybe you need to push for your living arrangements or your job situation, for your family and friends to come to know Christ. Whatever it is, don't just pray, but push. Push, pray until something happens. Amen. 
So we see that the, the skeptics may have thought that it wasn't possible for the prison doors to be opened, yet they were. It wasn't possible for the chains of the prisoners to all fall off, yet they did. We see that prayer was effective, and it is effective. The chains fell off, and it was only by the power of God. These chains were meant to restrain, to hold back, to keep in bondage, locked away a prisoner, someone who would not be able to get out. And the only way that they could be set free was someone actually coming and releasing them from those chains. You see, only God could have broken such chains for those prisoners. And only God can break spiritual chains, invisible chains that hold us back in life. There are so many of us that walk around in spiritual bondage, being held back because of things in our life that we have not released to God, that he has, we have not allowed him to set us free from. And we walk around held back in these spiritual bondages. And today is the day that he can set you free. We can learn that only God can help break the chains in our life that entangle us and keep us in bondage. Only God can help break those chains. You may have tried many times to quit that habit, to stop doing that, or to stop doing this, but only God truly can help us to break the chains that are keeping us in bondage. I challenge you to pray and to ask God to help you because today is the day that you can make that decision to be set free. Maybe you're being held in invisible chains of anger and bitterness. Maybe those invisible chains are depression and anxiety. Maybe fear and doubt are holding you back. Maybe it's unforgiveness Maybe it's an addiction such as drugs or alcohol, a sexual addiction, gambling, pornography, overspending, overeating. Maybe it's a physical or mental sickness. Whatever it may be, pray that God will help to break those chains, that he will help to release you, and that you will be set free. Now, I want you to understand that even when we pray, even when we claim victory, sometimes that victory does not come the way that we expect it to come. Sometimes it doesn't come when we expect it to come, but it does come. And we need to trust that when we pray, that we are praying according to God's will, his purpose for our lives. And maybe that healing may not come in this life, but it certainly will come when we get to heaven. And we need to trust God. We need to trust him. So may your prayer be, God, help release me from the chains that hold me back. Help release me from the things that are holding me back from a deeper and more meaningful relationship with you. Help me to be released so that I can be the kind of person that you desire me to be. May you truly be set free because God is the only one who can truly help to set you free. So he set each prisoner free. Their chains fell off. The doors were wide open. They had the opportunity to leave. And you would think naturally a prisoner would just start running. If the doors were open and the chains were off, that they would go. The prisoners were now free. Their chains were broken. In verse 27, 
It says the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. So he assumed that the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Now the jailer drew his sword to kill himself because he was responsible for each prisoner that was in his care. So the simple fact that he thought that they all escaped, he felt that it was probably the best option for him to kill himself. Because according to Roman law, if a prisoner had escaped, the jailer would be responsible not only for that prisoner, but to carry out the penalty or the punishment that the, the prisoner was to serve. Does that make sense to you? So the jailer was responsible for that penalty and that punishment. And of course, all the prison doors were open, so that means that he was now accountable for every single prisoner who was there, and he would suffer the consequences of their punishment. This was a terrible time for him. So he took his sword to kill himself to end it because he knew that that punishment would eventually come for him. But before he could do anything, Paul shouted to him in verse 28, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. They hadn't left. They hadn't escaped. They had the opportunity to, which was quite strange that they would have the opportunity, yet they would stay. But they did the right thing by staying. Otherwise, the jailer would be responsible for their punishment. This can teach us that sometimes in the darkest times in our lives, this is point number five, sometimes in the darkest times in our life, we can be the biggest blessing to others. Sometimes when we are going through the darkest, deepest times in our life, when we are going through certain things that we never thought we would go through, we have the opportunity to be the biggest blessing to others in that time. We may not realize it now, but we can be such a blessing even when we ourselves are going through a difficult time. And it's easy when we are going through a difficult time to forget about everyone else, right? Because we're so caught up in our own situation with what's going on in our life and what's happening here that we may not be aware of the things happening around us, of the situations and the other things that people may be going through that are just as bad, maybe sometimes worse. And we need to still be conscious and aware of it. Because it's in those times that we have an opportunity to be a great blessing. So I encourage you to be aware of others around you. Be aware of what they may be going through. The needs that they maybe have as well. You may not be in perfect health but you can still help someone in need. And perhaps for, for that person it may be donating blood. Donating blood so that someone who may be in need physically may be able to be the recipient of that blood. You may not have a lot of money, but you can still be a blessing to others maybe by giving someone who is homeless some spare change. You may not have enough, but you can still be a blessing. 
Maybe for you, it may be you're dealing with a lot of family issues. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of things going on. But you can still be a blessing to someone that comes to mind by picking up the phone and calling them to encourage and pray for them. Maybe you may just have lost a loved one, but you can still be a blessing to others. Some years ago, when our dear sister Cecile Hernandez passed away, many of us were devastated because of that loss. But my heart was overwhelmed when I heard her family talk about how they had donated her organs and skin tissue to be a blessing and help to other people. You see, even in the darkest, deepest times in our life, when we may be going through a difficult time, we still have the possibility, the opportunity to be a blessing to other people. May you be aware of those opportunities and may the Lord indeed help you. So the men and all the prisoners were a great blessing to the jailer. They opened up his heart because he wanted to know more about this Christ. They, they stayed. This opportunity that they had to witness to him because they stayed, opened up his heart to ask, what must I do to be saved? He wanted to know more. He wanted to know more. This man was ready to know Christ. He was ready to receive Christ and to be saved. And he wanted that opportunity to be told and to lead into the faith what to do and how to do it. Have you ever felt such a strong conviction that you need to do something or you need to go somewhere or say something to someone? Well, chances are you probably experienced the leading of the Holy Spirit. The chances are pretty great that the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and leading you to do or say something. And it's important for us as Christians to recognize when the Holy Spirit speaks to us to recognize the leading of the Holy Spirit, and not only to recognize, but to be ready and willing when the Spirit moves. And the sixth point today is to be sensitive and ready for when the Holy Spirit leads you. Be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit and be ready for when it comes. God's Spirit led Paul and Silas to encourage the other prisoners to stay. It led them to share the word of God with the jailer. It led them to lead him in being saved and baptized and his whole household. You see, we can be led by the Spirit, and the Spirit is often speaking, but we need to be sensitive to his leading. We need to be sensitive to him speaking, and we need to be ready when he does. One Bible commentator wrote, Paul was quite willing to open the door of salvation to the jailer who had shut the door of the prison on him. He was quite willing to open the door of salvation on the same one who shut the prison door on him. God's spirit leads us and we need to be sensitive to it. And maybe that spirit is leading you to tell someone about Jesus. Maybe the Holy Spirit is leading you to tell someone about what God has done in your life or to pray for someone out loud that you may have never prayed for before. Maybe the Spirit is leading you to invite a family member or friend to your Bible study or to watch our services online. Maybe that's to give a specific gift 
to an individual or the Holy Spirit is leading you to call or text or, or to write a note of encouragement to someone. Maybe the Spirit is leading you to help meet a certain need that a family has that you are aware of. Maybe the Holy Spirit is leading you not to do something or to speak or not to speak at certain times. It's important that we are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And in order for us to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, we first have to have the Holy Spirit in us. And that starts with making a decision to put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you, if you've never made that decision, if you've never done that, I encourage you today that today can be that day of salvation for you, as it was for the jailer and for his household, that you too can be saved by putting your faith and your trust in Christ, by believing in him and asking him to forgive you of your sins. I want you to notice something, that after the jailer was saved, his faith was immediately put into action. The scripture tells us that he, after he was saved, he started to help them. He started to help them. He cared for their wounds. He gave them a meal to eat. He put his faith into action. He and his household were all saved, and they immediately began to help. It says in verse 33, even at that hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. You see, unless our faith is put into action, it's meaningless. We can be able to quote every scripture there is, but if we aren't able to help serve others in need, then what does it matter? We can memorize every book of the Bible, but if we're not showing love and compassion, then what does that mean? We can be able to recite every book and every person, every prophet. We can be able to say all of these things and to say all the right Christian words and to dress the right way and to bring our Bibles and hold it up. But if we are not living a life that shows what it truly means, then what does it matter? The evidence of the Holy Spirit within a person is the fruit that they produce. Are you producing the fruit of the Spirit? Because that is the evidence of the Spirit living and working in you. Even after an eventful night, in verse 35, it tells us, the next morning the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said that you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. They were now free. They could now leave. That was great. Except, Paul said, they have publicly beaten us without a trial. They have put us in prison and we are Roman citizens. And so now they want us to secretly leave? Of course not. We're not going to do that. He wanted them to come themselves to apologize to him. He wanted them to come and to acknowledge that they had done wrong and that they were in the wrong and to do things properly and decently. And I don't think it was too much for him to have asked because they were the ones who had messed up and they should take responsibility for it. And so he says, I'm not going anywhere. Tell them to come. If they want us to leave, tell them to come and do it themselves. Paul expected them to do the proper and the decent thing. I encourage you 
and this is the last point, to be a person who does things decently and properly. Be a person who strives to do things decently and properly because it is the right thing for you to do. In life, things won't always be perfect. Our situation and our circumstances won't always be the best. But how we handle what happens is important. Be someone who chooses to do the decent and the proper thing in the situation. If you have wronged someone, then apologize for what you have done and accept responsibility without trying to place blame on other people. Do what is proper and what is decent. If you have done certain things such as, you know, that you're not proud of, do the right thing and accept responsibility. Apologize for it and try to make amends for it. There are so many practical ways in our life that we can choose to do the decent and the proper thing. Here are a few examples for you. If you are in a store and you have just unloaded groceries or items into your car, the decent and the proper thing would be to return the shopping cart to the place that is designated for the shopping cart to go, not just push it into the parking lot to hit another car. Amen? Do the decent and the proper thing. The decent and proper thing, if you're in a drive-thru, especially if it's busy and, you know, you just have the exact change, is to make sure you give the exact change and don't shortchange 5 or 10 or 25 cents. That would be the decent and the proper thing to do. If you're doing your taxes, the decent and the proper thing would be to make sure that you file them accurately and correctly without claiming things that you are not entitled to claim and without putting information that is false and incorrect. If you are borrowing something from someone and you accidentally break it or damage it, the decent and the proper thing to do would be to replace it or repair it at your own expense because it was your fault. The decent and the proper thing, if you're communicating with someone of the opposite gender, would be to make sure that your conversation is appropriate and your conduct is appropriate with them. If you're outside and you have some garbage with you, the decent and the proper thing to do would be to hold on to it until you find a garbage can, not let it accidentally fall out of your hand or fly out of your window. If you are on public transportation and you see an elderly person come in who obviously needs a seat or a pregnant woman or someone who has a physical need and you're able to give up your seat, that would be the decent and the proper thing to do. If you're chewing gum and it, you're done with it and it loses its taste, the decent and the proper thing would be to put it in the garbage and dispose of it properly, not on the ground or underneath the chair in front of you. That would be the decent and the proper thing to do. If you've accidentally gotten a woman pregnant, the decent and the proper thing, men, would be to take responsibility, to offer financial support and to help raise that child. That is the decent and the proper thing to do. It's the right thing to do. 
If you have something to say to an individual, tell them to their face and not to everybody else about them. That would be the decent and the proper thing to do. You see, we need to strive to be people. You need to strive to be a person who does things decently and properly. There are many lessons that we can learn from Paul and Silas. No matter what our situation or circumstance is, we can choose to praise God and stay devoted to him. Remember that others are always watching what we do and what we say, strive to live above reproach. Number three, don't just pray, but push. Pray until something happens. Remember that only God can help break the chains in our life that entangle us and keep us in bondage. Be sensitive and ready for when the Holy Spirit leads you and moves in your life. And be a person who strives to do things decently and properly. You see, Paul and Silas and the other prisoners once found themselves in chains. They found themselves in bondage, locked away. And there are so many of us who today need to be released from some of those chains so that we can strive to have a deeper, more meaningful relationship with Christ, so that we can truly be the people that he has called us to be and desires for us to be. And may you have this prayer today that you truly say, God, help to break every chain in my life. Help to move it and to break it and to release me from all the sin that may be around me, from the things that are holding me back that I have not dealt with. Help to release me so that I truly can be set free because I am no longer a slave to sin, but I am set free because of God. May that truly be your prayer that you are free and that you are led by God's Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the lessons that we can learn from Paul and Silas. And we pray that, Lord, you would truly help us. Help us that no matter what we're going through, that we would worship you, God, because you are worthy of all of our praise. That even at the midnight hour, we can call on your name, knowing that you are still good all the time. Lord, we pray that our lives would truly be a witness for you, that what we do and what we say would lead others to you, not away from you. God, we pray that you would help us to persevere, to keep praying, to pray on and know that the answer is coming and that you will have your way in our lives. Lord, we pray that you indeed would help us, that you would break every chain that is holding us back, the sins, the addictions, the bondage that we are in, and that you would set us free. Lord, we pray that you would lead us by your Holy Spirit and that in our lives we would do things that are pleasing to you. We would do the right thing, the decent and the proper thing. And so God, may you be glorified and we thank you that in you we find freedom, that we are free indeed. And we pray that you would help us to experience that freedom that only can be found in Jesus Christ. In the powerful name of your son Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.